Independent wrestling is pretty damn fucking cool. We're sitting down in the spotlight and squirt circle with Rhino. And we're trying to bring more awareness to the independent professional wrestling scene. Undoubtedly thankful for anybody that just decided to tune in and actually liked us enough to keep listening. Everybody, that rooster's crowing. That means it's time for another episode of the Ross Family Matters podcast, episode four. Most good movies don't get beyond the trilogy. We've made it to number four, everybody. The best one, Police Academy 4. You know, I can get into this morning drinking. I'm just saying, every show we've done so far, it's been around eight in the morning and I've been drinking. I'm good with this. Hotshot Scott Williams, Jack Spade, Prodigy, Vic the Stick Ross. You know, we're dwindling here. Show one, granted, it was a little bit longer. We hit five topics out of the fedora. Then we hit three. Last time, we only got to two. I hope we do more than one this time around. Oh, with any luck. Oh, my God. And it's amazing because, in my opinion, I think we have him here. I just pulled our first thing out of the hat. And the question is, who's the best manager on the indie scene? Victor Stick Ross, you're here. What's up? I'm not going to put that crown on my head. Ooh, well, here we go with the modesty. He's I, always so modest. I'm going to let you guys do it for me. All right, let's, let's talk about how great I am. Let's, let, let's, let's start with this. I know nobody at this table and on this dais will disagree because we, not just because we're friends with Victor Stick Ross, we think he's the best. But let's talk about some of the other ones first. Let's talk about others receiving votes. Um, there's a few out there that I think are really, really good. Um, unfortunately, the art of managing is a dying art. It is. There's not as many out there that, and the ones that are, are just kind of thrown out there to be, to be ringside. I would say that if you were going to talk to somebody, uh, talk about somebody who would be close, maybe we would start with Jason Parks, JP. Anybody got any opinions? Yeah, you know what? As much as uh, it is. He can catch some shit from people. I think he's done a pretty good job. And uh, he's out there doing his thing on a pretty regular basis. I'm a fan of JP, and I think that uh, he does a pretty good job. I would not put him on Vic the Sixth level any more than I would anybody else. But I really think that uh, when you look at the managers, one of the it always boils down to what do the managers do wrong. And uh, timing is a huge issue, and JP seems to do a pretty good job of knowing what his role is, how to play it, when to put himself in the in the spotlight. Um, and that's one of the biggest problems, I think, in Milwaukee is managers stealing the entire thunder. So I, I think the one thing I'll tell you about JP is I think he's, he's good on the stick. He's good at managing. But he's a really versatile guy, too. Like, as a ref, he was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think at one point was the best referee in the area. I, I think that's fair to say. What about Sunny Beach? Yeah. Anyway. I think um, in general he has a really good understanding of wrestling. Of the and business, that plays absolutely. a part in his refereeing, his managing, his wrestling, because he wrestles as well. And, and I was just going to say that because a lot of people will give him a hard time about him not being great in the ring. I think he's more than capable in the ring. I know that he loves the Memphis spot and he works it in every match. But he certainly doesn't embarrass himself that way either. So you got a guy who can manage, he can ring announce, he can ref, he can wrestle. I think if you're starting a company you want some, and you want somebody with versatility, he's definitely a guy I would pick, but still not the manager that I think you are. 
Yeah. Well, side note on the Memphis spot. We went to Memphis, Tennessee, or Nashville. Did Tennessee. they do the spot? Nobody Not fucking once. Did. Not no, once during the spot. entire show. It's like going to China and asking. I feel for like Chinese if we would have brought it up, they would have found it offensive. Yep. <laughs> um. So, best manager, I I don't know, but one thing I can tell you is, what made Vic such a big thing when he started to manage us in earnest was at that time managers weren't really being used yeah. yeah so they weren't really a thing in the area so that was what actually differentiated us as a grouping of people was that we had a manager and we knew how to work a manager into the match mm-hmm. and we could actually give the manager a purpose uh, so a lot of times, and whether it be rightfully or wrongfully so, when other managers started to <clears throat> pop up more after Vic came through, we started to feel like people were ripping us off a little bit. Which is funny, because we were just doing what managers have done since the beginning of wrestling. Well, uh, well and, and I, I want to ask you this, Vic, and I, you know how I feel about it. We've talked about it. Uh, we kinda, we're older than everyone else in this uh, on this podcast, and we've seen good managers in the 80s and, mm-hmm. and early 90s. And, also bad ones, and like some, Paul Jones. And, oh, God, yeah, some terrible ones. But I think that even nowadays, there are a lot of guys who are very talented in the ring. They're very athletic, and they have the charisma of this beer bottle. Absolutely. And I don't understand why companies don't try to help those guys get over by putting them with a good manager that can help them. Because they don't want to pay the money. It's, a, it's an added expense um, and it's not just the base salary, you know. You got look at a guy like Paul Heyman. You, I guarantee you, he gets a huge bonus at WrestleMania every year. Right. You know. So in that case, you have Vince McMahon saying, "All right, I'm going to pay for the best wrestling manager available," but that's it. Sure. And they keep him special. Although they did try to branch him out with a couple other guys a few years ago. But they keep him special. He only represents one guy. Right. He does all his talking. (laughs) What is happening right now? Stay out of the hat. And for the record, I just want to say that I also think JP is a hell of a talent. So, other ones in the area. Chaz Moretti? Your thoughts? Chaz Moretti. Chaz Moretti. What about Um, him? I... Chaz Moretti had a good manager look, uh-huh. and he lived his gimmick. Yeah, while accusing other people of doing the same. But right. yes, I I feel like his his presentation lacks, and I'm going to point out a specific time he was booked for Dave Hero on Blizzard Brawl mm-hmm. out in Waukesha, mm-hmm. managing Matt Longtime against Hacksaw Jim Duggan. So you know it's the same match Hacksaw Jim Duggan's had since, like, 1986. Nothing changed. Of course, right. Um, Moretti gets up on the apron at one point. Duggan gives him a shot. And he took a bump like an old man slipping into a bathtub. Like, he really couldn't have eased down to the canvas any slower if he tried. And you know what? That's a good point because there are a couple guys that were being used in the area for a while that I haven't seen in, in a bit. Uh, and one of them was exclusively in this area being used by Kurt and ICW, who he refused to bump, ever. I'm like, well, okay, 
I get that when you were Harley Race and you're 80 and you didn't want to bump when you were managing Vader. I get that part. But this dude's in his 20s. Like, if you're not going to take the bump, there's no payoff. There's never the, you never get your comeuppance right. if you don't take that bump as a manager. I don't understand that philosophy. But, uh, but to back to the chest, yeah, you, you got to make that bump look good. Cornette, for whatever you want to say about Jim Cornette, I, I love the guy. I mean, yeah, he's a cantankerous, crabby old dude now, but that bump, he'd take the one bump. And, you know, one of the Rock and Roll Express would grab him, give him the punch, he'd kick the legs up, take the bump, the tennis racket would go flying. You got to be able to at least do that. Okay. I'll say this to wrap up one of the most misused and abused and disrespected positions in wrestling is the manager role. When you go to a show and you have the, hey, we're going to pick a name out of a hat, and that person gets to manage this person yeah. today, yeah. Uh, they have no idea what they're doing to their show. And Just to like the guest ring announcer. Exactly. When you open things up like that, that's going to go poorly. And, and you need managers that know what the hell they're doing, know where their spots are, and they have to understand how the business works. They have to be willing to bump. They have to be willing to take the, the color once in a while or take the head shave once in a while. There's things that you need to do you embarrass that Vic's done yeah. along the way. And they think that they can just stand on ringside. They have no idea when to interject. And they just interrupt the match and they interrupt the show. Uh, or they run around and, ringside like their hair's on fire, when yep. there's important parts of the match that are coming up, yep. you can never take the heat and the attention off of the stuff happening in I, the ring. I would put that right with referees and, and announcers and say that, that you have to have professionals in those positions, and all too often you see garbage. I feel like we're missing two that are active right now that we need to talk about. Um, and I'll say this beforehand. When it comes to managing, and I think out of everybody here, I've probably been managed the most in my career. You needed the most by Vic. Indeed. Um, Indeed. Yep. Vic comes in handy a lot for me in a couple ways. So, number one, he's somebody that I trust the mm -hmm. way he thinks about the business. Mm -hmm. So, if I'm back there planning a match and I need somebody to bounce an idea off of, I use Vic very much so to help me frame out the match the way I want it to go. Mm -hmm. And to help me out. Mm -hmm. uh, he also helps me out as an advocate for me when we're trying to get this match explained to the other people in the match um, and, and how the spots are supposed to look there. So super, super handy to have. And he gives good advice. Like he used to tell me after every match, get out of the business. <laughs> so, you know. But uh, I think we would be remiss to not talk about Jason J. I think we would be remiss to not talk about Nikki Duche. Okay. Um, Jason J. Um, I he was in some of the areas where I'm still ring announcing. He was getting used quite a bit, and then he he isn't now. I know he's still working up at WPW. You know he's he he's a guy who who is willing to listen. I feel he's a guy who will ask questions like, "What do you think about this? What could I have done differently?" I think he's you know if he stays with it. And he continues to want to learn. I think, you know, I think he's going to be really good at that. And the guy, who, another guy who started as a ref, much like JP, and but also realizing he wasn't going to be a worker, didn't want to be a wrestler, but thought he could give something to the business. You know, I, again, I've had no experiences with him where he's been terrible, and I, I think he's he's getting better every time I've seen him. But now it's been a while since I've seen him because I'm not in the same circuits. Nikki Duche, I. 
you guys can speak to that a little bit better because he started more managing more when I left w, uh, RCCW. Um, when I was there, he was just kind of starting with Alex Riley. I, what your thoughts on how he's developed? Nick's coming along real nice. Uh, he's still going to make your your uh, youthful indiscretions because sure. he's he's in the learning process, but he can talk. Mm-hmm. He'll take the bump. Mm-hmm. He knows how to get heat. Yeah, that scarf. Well, as as we started to work more up in lacrosse, I feel like we moved away from the comedy thing a little bit steadily. And Nick, Nick Ragnar, I I think he's hilarious. And that absolutely. So the, they picked up that comedy thing. Him and Riley. Uh, and they ran with it, and the the El Ducho character, the the Spanish character, when he couldn't be on the shows anymore, he put on the mask, like you know the the old yellow dog gimmick or whatever, uh-huh. Midnight Rider. Uh-huh. But it was the manager. Very very funny, very good promos. Really really enjoyed it. And that's where I kind of miss traveling now. Is, um, I, I know Nick Ragnar outside of the business. I, I'm curious to see how he's doing. I'm really excited for him. To- to be a manager right now. I'd like to get up there, too. I miss the travel. I'd love to be part of some of those shows, but I'm on permanent ban. We'll talk about that one. Well, hey, listen, November 4th, we will be in lacrosse for River City Championship Wrestling. Uh, Okay. I'm banned. So, truck seats four. Nice. Just saying. I thought we were playing poker that night. Uh, We'll talk. That's the next day on the 6th. All right. I, I can't let you go there yet. There's one name we've... You're also... Abusing the hat. Yeah, no more hat for you after this episode. Uh, I know you guys can't see this at home, but he's got like four or five notes that he handpicked out already. He's bullshitting. But before we move on to his myriad of topics, okay, Mike Vandy. Uh, refresh my na- uh, memory. What what's he work under? I know him as Mike Vandy. All right, great. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just drawing a blank it's, right It's uh, Jason Michaels, dickhead. Yes, yes. Jason Michaels. Yeah. Uh, in River City Championship Wrestling, he manages um, the Morbid Angel. Wait, well, he was a wrestler, right? No, Vandy. Oh, no, you're thinking of somebody else. I'm thinking of doing Jason Michaels? Maybe. All right. Uh, in any event, another younger-ish guy. Mm-hmm. Um, a good mouthpiece. I've not seen him take the bump yet, but I've not really had the opportunity to see too much of him. I think I've only been on one show with him. Uh, but up and coming, keep an eye out for him. Who was the last woman's manager on the circuit, at least the Wisconsin circuit, that had any staying power? <laughs> well, Carmine used to bring Sherry Mark. Well, no, no, I, I get that. Dana Hilton? But I mean, was I it, don't know who that is. Who? Dana Hilton was up in ACW. Um, this goes along when, with what I was saying before about them disrespecting the, the. What role. about the guy More who often had not the, somebody's girlfriend? Remember yeah. the guy that SW was using that had the 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 mohawk? You're talking about Misfit Manners. Dayhawk. Right. No, not Dayhawk. Misfit Manners. Misfit Manners. But again, oh, yeah. there you go. That's Warwick's his wife. Warwick Stevens. Yeah. Is what he works as now. Uh, Miranda Virago, but, I believe, was her name. Yeah. And then there was um, the guy that we worked with in Minnesota, Keckler or Klecker. Klecker. Kamikaze Klecker. Kamikaze Klecker. But I don't believe his woman. Uh, she didn't come out to the I ring with him. I don't believe so. No, she just kind of primped him in the. 
<laughs> she fluffed him. Yeah, I, uh, no, I, I was pretty sure she was she was uh, hanging out with him outside during the matches. Not the one again. RCCW show the, I was the, on. the the girlfriend role, which is really frustrating, because it's they don't know what the fuck they're doing. And then way back in the day, I used Sarah. Yeah. In SSW. Sarah. Not, uh, Jake's, Jake's sister. sister. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Kuma's yeah, yeah, sister, yeah, yeah. but um, she actually could do stuff. She could do stuff, but she still didn't know what she was. She doing. couldn't talk. She couldn't um, cut a promo, but what, she which, Amber, which is Amber the problem? Rose. Yeah. Amber Rose was decent. She, Amber Rose was great. She had a good mind for wrestling. You know what was great about Amber Rose was that her hat selection. She had, stop it. She had good knees for wrestling. She was a a a very tall, uh, athletic woman. <laughs> so she was big. She was almost like a more feminine version of China, I guess. Right in our for what we were using her for. Right. Yeah. She was a, a girl who could whoop any guy's butt. In the ring, and uh, she could got better on the mic as she went, but yeah, she was because again, we the reason we used her in that role wasn't because we disrespect managers. We respect the managers. We didn't have any other women for her to work. Yeah, and or I don't she, want to start rumors, but when Brian spiked her, I think she popped a tit, and that's when she. Asked. And one of and and while we're on the subject of tall women, there was my cousin Ann Spade, who listens to the show. The, I, the, I see her the at the uh, ACW shows from time to time. She, is, she's in the is crowd. exceptionally eerie. Can you tell me for a moment why that would be exceptionally eerie for that to be your cousin? I cannot recall. No, interesting. Um, but yeah, she yeah. But again, much like and, and nowadays, there's more women wrestlers in Wisconsin than there were even five years ago. But yeah, when you had an impressive athletic woman, you had to have her second people of the ring and then get involved with the match because there weren't other women. there weren't other women for her to work that. You know, there weren't the Stacy Shadows and the Melanie Cruises ten years ago. That's fair. So, you know. But anyway. So the reason that I have a handful of these is because you're bullshit. Because you're breaking, bullshit. You're breaking the rules. Yeah. Uh, enjoy enjoy the last episode of the broadcast the with, with Jim. Because with Jim is fucking out of here. So we went through all of two post-its last yes, show. Yes, that's perfect. Two post-its the show before. The hat so I have right? some quick hits for you. And it started with this one. I pulled this one out of the hat, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to look for some of these bullshit ones. Okay. And here we go, guys. Sodium levels in ketchup packets. Oh, you know what? We shouldn't talk about that. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I think of it. It's high, but so is sodium level and other carcinogens in every prepackaged food because it's part of population control, and that's how the government's going to kill us off early. I'm glad we can take that down. Allow me to retort. So, yes. fuck. I like ketchup. <laughs> I do, too. Listen. Look, I eat a lot of foods that are killing me slowly or quickly. I'm not... Look, I'm, I'd be a hypocrite to say they should ban it. I'm just telling you, they're high. I pay attention to sodium because I have high blood pressure. Mm. And it's not so bad. Now who's okay. making it a dark episode? <laughs> All right. What can this podcast do to make Roman Reigns look strong? Um, you know, okay, can we take a minute about this? Yeah, go ahead. I don't even need a minute. Sometimes I think wrestling fans are... I sometimes saying. I think wrestling smarks are stupid. Um, Roman Reigns was the guy they wanted to win uh, and, and be the guy two and a half years ago. And then as soon as he became the guy three months later, they shit on him and haven't stopped. So it tells me that wrestling fans don't know what they want. WWE fans will sit there and tell you they don't want part-timers, but then they love The Rock and they eat up everything he has when he comes back. They will tell you they hate catchphrases, but for six months, the only reason Enzo was on TV is because he was a walking catchphrase. 
I don't believe that wrestling fans, by and large, know what they want. And for whatever reason, they get somebody in their crosshairs. In this case, Roman Reigns, who's not a terrible worker. He's not. And I, decide that they don't want I him. I think now. he would benefit greatly from a good manager. This is... I this think is, he would benefit greatly from a, a heel turn. Yeah. This and, is the John Cena effect. No, this is the Rock effect. Only they're ignoring it this time. Rocky Maivia came in as the blue chip babyface. Yeah, God, he was terrible. And got booed unmercifully until he broke his knee. Yeah. Sound familiar? No, I don't know. You shouldn't because he was tremendous and you are you. Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) But in any event, when he came back, they turned him heel because they felt like they had to. And this Roman Reigns thing, they just continue to fight uphill with it. But nowadays, and it worked for The Rock, and he was charismatic, and they let him be him, and he became a megastar, and now everybody in the world knows him, even if you're not a wrestling fan. I get that. But do you think it would matter if they turned Reigns heel with these fans that now are the, the core fans of the WWE? Would it be so bad that he was a, a, a heel for a handful of years until people came around? Because I'll tell you, what, all it takes to make a baby face these days is an injury that puts a guy on the shelf for six months. And then people are happy they got him back. It's like, oh, my new toy. I got my new toy. Yeah, I agree. I don't disagree with that. I think that the WWE, even with the Cena-Reigns match a couple months ago, were like thumbing their nose. Hey, we're going to put two guys that you can't stand. Pick one. You know, I mean, I I think it's it's almost like they're onto it and they're just like playing with them. Just fucking with people at this point. All right, guys. uh, Moving on. How do I find out the right amount of cocaine? Now this is one of my my things. Okay, it came <laughs> so up cocaine is the right amount. I have a theory that there is a proper amount of cocaine. All right, all right, where it's not quite a problem, but it lets me work all day without having any sort of like being tired moments, like coffee. But I just sniff. stronger. Right. Okay, from, so, from as somebody who's never used cocaine, mm-hmm. though some of the energy drinks they make nowadays are practically probably the same thing, um, I don't know the right amount, and I'm afraid that if I tried to find the right amount through experimentation, it might end tragically. Uh, so I have a question before I can answer. Go ahead. How much cocaine is the right amount of cocaine? Yeah, uh, what year is it? <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys, how many Indian squats do we have to do? Lane didn't get a chance to answer this one, so Lane, where do babies come from? Well, I mean, you have the most kids out of all of us. So from from Jim. I have the same amount of kids as you. I didn't make one of mine. Whoa! (laughs) Possibly two, I don't know, we never did the testing. Whoa! That's why Jack Spade uh, won't have Jason Masters come around. Perhaps you could, you could... Cut the question in half, so to speak. Yeah. And maybe you could ask amongst yourselves what it takes to make a, a female child. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I don't know. Scott and I, yeah. we have the uh, the Superman genes to put that pecker now, on that it embryo. It is scientifically proven yeah. that weaker, more defeated semen uh-huh. makes boys. Oh, so why don't you have like nine of them? No. <laughs> <laughs> you, you see, wait. You see a guy about a thing. It's the 27th? Uh, 8th. 28th? Yeah. In a couple days, I find out if there's a boy in there. And I'm pretty sure it is, because she has broken me as a man. Yeah, but you still won't find out so, if it's yours for another six months. <laughs> Guys, Jack Spade's shitty knee. 
Jack Spade shitty knee. Yeah. Okay. It is shitty. Okay. Now let, let's go back a little bit, and not because of any ill will, because I, I really seriously, no bullshit, I, I'm very happy with the success that SSW has had. But I remember saying to you, yeah, don't do that show. The show had nothing to do with it. That show had nothing to do with it. So, for months, for months before this show, I could pop my knee in and out. You could, did, did I ever have you guys hear that? Where I would just flex my knee and it would pop? Just pop, 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 oh, I thought pop. you were showing off. I don't know. Um, I thought Julius Smokes was coming. So, I'm pretty <laughs> sure... <laughs> I'm pretty sure the tendon was already going by that point, okay. but I'm just so used to, you know, if you wrestle, you hurt, and if you're oh, fat, yes. you hurt, Oh yeah. and if you wrestle and you're fat and you do it for a long time, you hurt all the time. Uh, of course, and sometimes down. you just hurt from being fat. After I got Mitch yeah. Blake, I haven't stopped hurting. So I, I always hurt, so I did what... I felt was right, and I ignored it. Mm -hmm. So I went to the SSW. But, but hang on a second. That's not even a wrestling. That's a guy thing because yeah. I, I legit, this is a God's honest truth, think I had a heart attack in January. Still haven't seen a doctor. It's 10 months later. So You should really look into that. I, I think I should. <laughs> but seriously, so I, get, I do get that. Like I, I understand. So I went to the SSW show, the 100th anniversary. They invited a lot of people from their past back. And I was... They've been around 100 years? 100 shows. 100th anniversary. 100th show anniversary. Was Lou Thez on the opener? <laughs> it, was, it was Gotch Hackage. Gooch. It's pronounced Gooch. <laughs> but I, I showed up. And when I show up to shows, I like to get into the ring and walk around and feel how the ring feels and check the ropes and do that sort of stuff. Also, I just like standing in a ring. It's something I enjoy. So I get there and I get into the ring. As soon as I step through the ropes and put my foot down, something popped right. in my knee. And it popped and it burnt. And I went and I looked at uh, Devin Diamond and Fate, who were already in the ring, working on the match we were in. And I looked at them and I said, oh, that's not good. So it wasn't even a move that, that caused the injury. Right, right. It was walking and trying to carry your amount of weight. Yes. I stepped into the ring, right. it popped, it swelled up. Did I stop? No. I went over spots I wanted to do in that match. I went and I was sitting on the apron watching uh, Ben uh, McCoy training people in the ring. I stood up to make a point. When I stood up and I put my foot down again, my knee popped again oh, God. and burnt. It hurt so bad. I spread my legs like I was in penthouse from pain, and I ripped the crotch out of my pants that I was wearing. And then, did I stop there? No. I just want to point out that the second pop and burn mm -hmm. was probably literally the last of the cartilage in your knee. So. And the burning was it being turned into powder. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was a tennis. Which takes us back to... How much cocaine is too much cocaine? Exactly. So, so the doctors told you that the injury is what exactly? So I had a complete ACL tear. Oh, God. Uh, I had partial tears on the meniscus on the inside and the outside of my knee that they had to clean up. Uh, and because I, I worked the match, I went all the way through the show, I worked the match, my knee was swelling the whole time. Uh, my kneecap impacted onto my shin bone and created a, like an impact 
fracture oh, God in my it. shin bone from my kneecap hitting it because oh. that tendon, which is there, which keeps your kneecap in place, wasn't there, so it was... Right, so, so you had the surgery, obviously. You're yeah. not using your crutch, though you should be. Um, <laughs> but when they were... So obviously I know how what they do to repair an ACL now just because most of us are sports fans as well and we've heard... but. To do the were they able to do the meniscus, the ACL, and do anything about the fracture, or are those things that are going to be done in stages? No, it was all done at once. Okay. So they scoped my knee, they they vacuumed it out, they cleaned it up. There was a piece of a shaving from the bone had actually lodged over in the side of my knee, and she was like, "Oh, I don't know what that is," but it was small enough that she was able to vacuum it. But it was something that was floating around and pinching and causing me a lot of swelling and a lot of pain. Um, they took a tendon and bone grafts from a cadaver. Right. Dead body. Dead body. Uh, and they drilled holes in the bones, and they put the new tendon in. Uh, and, yeah, that's... So let's talk for a minute about, because some people don't fully understand how this works. I watch football, right, mm-hmm. and I see ACL tears, and the guy goes down, and we're calling it a day at that point. You tore your ACL and then worked a show, and then I believe worked another show before your surgery after that. I worked three shows. Can, can you talk a little bit about how the fuck you were able to do that? Uh, not easily. Um, it wasn't fun. I can tell you that it was exactly what I said before. You know, I've we've wrestled, or I've been involved in wrestling now for a long time, fourteen years, um, and. I I hurt. I just hurt generally. So a lot of my life is pain management and is, is finding ways to do that. Um, so I just worked through it. We braced it up. Um, I had Monica help tape up the knee one day and put a brace over it. The second day, I braced it with two braces. The show... So I, I got the MRI. I went out. I worked a show against Devlin Kane. Came back, got the results from the MRI, and by that point, I was unaware that it was a torn ACL because I had pretty much, it, the swelling had gone down, I was able to walk somewhat normally. And again, you go back to watching, like, a Delvin Cook goes down with a torn yep. ACL in a game, the guy falls on the ground and he gets carted off the field. You assume that when people tear an ACL, yep. they're not able to walk. But you were able to walk and work a show. But I, I will say this, though, too. Uh, you, some of you know. I know you know Warren very well. I do. I was. We were playing football on a Sunday. We used to play flag football every Sunday. He tore his ACL, but because he wasn't a, a Delvin Cook, mm-hmm. it took him six weeks to get his surgery scheduled, and he was able to walk with a little bit of help from a crutch. But he knew it was torn, and there was nothing he could do about it because at back. 15 years ago, that's the insurance company said, well, six weeks. So he was able to walk, but it was he was in constant misery. So right. he wasn't out there trying to wrestle or anything like that. Well, my, my point is there are people that may doubt the severity of the injury watching the fact that you worked the show. Um, you know, they may assume that you yeah. didn't fully injure it until you continued working on it. But when you tear it, like Scotty was saying, you're able to continue walking around. It's, I mean, you came to visit me at my house, and you were able to walk fine. You just had trouble with the steps. It's so. The reason you probably see them get carted off, or the reason they look so bad, is the first couple days after it happens is the swelling. Right. So it 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 puffs up, and then you can't put weight on it. It's like if you sprain your ankle or any sort of other sprain. That's when it hurts. 
once that goes down, like I could live, I could have lived my whole life without replacing the ACL. Yeah. That's a great point because if there's a lot of athletes, baseball, football players, football players especially in the 60s and 70s, completely tore their ACL and they just had a bum knee the rest of their life. And that's what they called it, a bum knee, right. because we didn't have the technology we have now to basically take dead pe- dead people's ligaments and insert them into live people and, and correct them. Yeah. And the, the healing time. So this used to be a year and a half injury back in the 80s. Yep. And then it was, what's the timetable for this? So I can't, well, I'm in the knee brace. So for two weeks, I was crutches only. Right. As of the after the two-week mark, I have been decreased down to a single crutch. Yeah, how's that working out for you? I forgot it. Um, I'm in this giant bulky knee brace for six weeks before I can take it off um, okay. and and be off of it all all the time. Right. Uh, I can't run for six months. Okay. Um, I can't do any sort of physical activity that involves cutting or you know pivoting. I can't do that for at least a year. Gotcha. So if that, I mean. There's like this, uh, there's this knee injury. It's like the triangle. It's like the athlete's triangle injury. And I had two pieces of it. So it's the MCL, it's the meniscus, and the ACL. Right. And you had the meniscus and ACL. Meniscus yeah. and ACL. If I tore all three, I'm for sure done with everything. There's just no matter what they do, they'll never get the the leg strong enough to to do anything again. And in fairness, too, you don't have the luxury of an NFL rehab program. So what's your rehab? look like I, I mean when you do start physical therapy is there i've a... already started okay i started um the week after my surgery uh i go twice a week for an hour gotcha uh and they give me exercises that i have to do at home you don't do them. i do you don't do them. i do them. so uh it's not a fun injury uh i don't recommend it uh don't do it uh, and if you have it, you probably shouldn't work matches on it, um, unless you know you you're you're an idiot, and then do that. Is there so, any chance that working those extra matches, it didn't do anything to the ligament, but could that have caused a bone fracture? Could it have? Uh, the bone fracture was already there. Okay. I discussed that with my surgeon, who did the MRI. I said, "Can I work these shows?" And she said, "Well, here's the thing. Your knee will never be stable again. Like." as long as you don't have that tendon. So it's not the ACL is not the issue. The issue is that your knee will buckle and right. swell and, and I'll be in that position. So you can't really make it worse. Right. Right. Than it is. So to wrap this up, tearing your ACL, Jack Spade says don't do it. Yeah. He's anti-torn ACL. Basically a thumbs down on me. And stay in school. And, and stay in school. But do drugs. Well, <laughs> cocaine. Hey everybody, this is RGG from the Regular Guy Gaming Podcast on the Grapple Talk Network. I think it's safe to say if you like wrestling, you also like games. So join me and my co-host Ragbag as we talk about old games, new games, games we love, games we hate, special guests, interviews, and of course, Ragbag's love for Luigi Mansion. That is all on Regular Guy Gaming. Check us out. Hey guys, this is AC Riley reminding you to check out the Riley Factor only 
on the Grapple Talk Network. Join me as I talk wrestling, interview wrestlers in my Spotlight and Squared Circle segment, and much, much more. What are you waiting for? Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the Grapple Talk Network today. And as always, support independent wrestling. So, Jesse, apparently we have to make a promo for our podcast, but I'm not exactly sure what we're supposed to say. Oh, come on, Nick. We just got to talk about Grapple Talk, where we talk about wrestling. It doesn't matter if it's the national stuff or the local stuff. That's true. I mean, regardless if it's WWE or our Spotlight in the Squared Circle segment where we highlight local talent, we cover it all. Oh, we also got to plug the social media. That's right. Facebook.com slash The Grapple Talk, and you can follow us on Twitter at The Grapple Talk. Man, that was a really good promo. That was. High five. Hi, yeah. Yes, I'll take my eggs over easy, and I'll take my pot. Podcast, Deach and Dash. That's right, the Deach and Dash podcast hosted by me, Gorgeous Jordy Lee, available via the Grapple Talk Network. It's about to get weird. We're going to talk some wrestling, maybe, some life, probably, and definitely going to ask whether you prefer ketchup or mustard. Catch us via the Grapple Talk Network and wherever iPods are available to you. iPods or podcasts? God, I'm the worst. Ow, my knee! Alright, so that brings us to our next subject. By the way, before we get to that next subject, these topics are all topics. I think most of them came from suggestions. You can suggest. Go to our Facebook page. Absolutely. The Ross Family Matters podcast. And put some names that we can literally put in the hat. We brought up sodium and ketchup packets, for God's sake. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the next subject, which I have to assume came from our biggest fan... Which is Jack Spade. Um, one of the most underrated wrestlers, I, I think, in the business and in the independent scene in Milwaukee. He's consistently been the most underrated professional wrestler in the city of Milwaukee and uh, surrounding areas. Uh, funny guy, works his ass off, does the right things. Jack Spade is our next topic. Yep. We heard about his knee, now let's hear about Be- the rest Before of we go into that, though, I'm going to talk about Jack Spade, and then we can talk a little bit about Jiggy Jack Spade, which are different machinations of the same person, right? Yes. Okay. $4 word. Um, I agree with you, Jim, and I will put this on record. There's a lot of people I respect that have had opinions that they think Jack Spade isn't worth their time, and I have to say, you're wrong, as much as I respect you guys out there, and... You're in uninformed, and it's an ignorant statement. I t- totally agree. And I'll, and I'll defend it to your face um, over a beer or in a locker room. If you believe that, you're absolutely wrong. You have other reasons for not liking him. It's certainly not. Plenty. It's certainly not his in-ring work because I, like you, think he's one of the best guys around. If I'm starting a show and I could pick anybody in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Illinois area, let's just say this two-state area, you're on it every time. Uh, not today because of your knee, but maybe you could do commentary or something. <laughs> but um, if, and if you feel differently about it, again, you have other deep-seated issues. Let's, talk, let's be honest about them and not say it has anything to do with the rest of them. Absolutely. It and we got about 25 minutes to fill here. Uh, Jack Spade, you could probably talk for 25 minutes about yourself. Go right ahead. So um, I want to know, did you pull this one out of that? Were you looking for this one? No, this legit was pulled. This one was legit pulled. Yeah. This so, was the one you legit pulled, and then you tried to cover it with about five other things. No, I shut up. Yeah. So yeah. So <laughs> so tell us a little bit about where you came from, what you did, and how you got where you are. And I'm not talking about your fucking name. Uh, yeah, we talked about that. Uh, so this is the Jack Spade episode now. Great. Uh, 
And for the record, every person who's been in the Ross family is in the hat, and they'll come out at some point. I just happen to be the first one, which I, is... I am going to make one request, though. Or the second one. Can Brian you be the main event? I, I, don't want you to, I don't want you to have to go too much into how you met Devin Diamond, because I want people to go back to episode one to hear that. Yeah. So if this is your first episode, and you want to know the very, very beginning of Genesis, go back and listen to that, that marathon that was episode one. Yeah. Because hey it's in there. That was our first show callback. What? Uh, oh, man. Uh-huh. And now right. on to L-A-B-M-E-C-W. So I'm going to ask you a little bit more specifically. You can talk about whatever you want because it's yeah. all of our show. But the Jiggy Jack Spade character. Yes. Whose idea? Where did it come from? Where did you start using it? And just your overall thought of that character. Because you started out as Devin Diamond's number one fan. That was your first. Yes. So I was in the crowd. He oh, pulled me out. sorry. <laughs> I was in the crowd. He pulled me out. Uh, he beat me down. Uh, out of the crowd was my first appearance on a wrestling show. Um, whether or not you doubt the legitimacy of those SSW shows or not, that could be up for debate. Um, and then the next show, the gimmick was that I had stolen his bag and I stole his gear, and I ended up teaming with him somehow. Right. And from there, we formed a tag team. Um, the Jiggy Jack Spade character, uh, it came out uh, probably around the two-man boy band time. So that was after uh, Vic had started managing me. And what were you, okay, so between those gimmicks, between you coming out of the crowd and Jiggy Jack Spade, any other gimmicks in there that you, you worked or tried as you led up to this one? Uh, Jack Spade was just Jack Spade. It was... Devin Diamond's partner. He was annoying. Part of the gimmick was that I had Sarah as a manager for a while. Um, it was basically a ripoff of... Cole Cabana, say it. It was basically a Cole Cabana ripoff for a while. Uh-huh. Um, Jack, were, Jack Spade, Top Flight Security, yeah. There was also the Top Flight Security <laughs> uh, role that I played for one show for Rebels. Which was I, a ripoff of? Uh, a security guard that we saw in our RTM thing who looked like he never took the hanger out of his shirt when he put it on. Slow so ride, yeah. Slow ride, and he took it easy. Uh, uh, so I played with a lot of things. Um, Whoa. Well, that's in the hat, I'm sure. Uh, when I went up to the ACW shows and the NWA Wisconsin shows, which was one company at that time, uh, there was really no gimmick there. They tried to... Uh, Peter B. Beautiful suggested that I become a pirate because my name was Jack Spade and the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, movies were huge. Yeah. Also, the Pirates of Caribbean porns were getting big. And I... Fucking terrible. And I denied that vehemently and that did not make me very well liked. But right. there really was no gimmick whatsoever there. And so, but hold on, though. Because I would say that out of one of my biggest issues that exists in the independent scene there are people that show up with a name and expect people to know who you are based off of that name and jack spade doesn't have a gimmick that goes with it but you were one of the few people that were able to pull off coming in and saying i'm jack spade this is what i'm gonna be and this is how i work and you had a character built in and it fucking worked well, when so i was a huge mark i still am a huge mark when i started and when i formed my team with ryan I wrote myself a biography, which I don't know if you guys ever did for yourselves when you formed your character. No, I was all about getting pussy. 
<laughs> but I literally sat down and when I started, I was a virgin. So I wasn't really about getting that pussy because wow. it wasn't coming at me. Until you met your right. cousin. Uh, <laughs> so I had a lot of free time on my hand in between very short masturbation sessions to flesh out numerous not, short masturbation Not short, sessions. expedient. <laughs> <laughs> to flesh out a backstory for my character uh, and, and where he came from. So... And I had acting experience in school, and I had a lot of other stuff. So the thing I always attempted to do, even as just Jack Spade, was to think of everything from a place where what would this character, how would this character react, what would this character do? Not just, okay, we're having this match, so this is what's going to happen. Right. Why would this happen? Sure. Well, so you gave a lot of thought into it, and you touched a little bit on your previous experience with, with acting from high school. Can you talk a little bit about your seldom known experience as a stand-up comedian? Oh. So before I even broke into the business, myself and some wrestlers from Illinois, a lot of them who work for Funky Monkey Wrestling, uh, Bucky Collins... Uh, Stumpy was there after I was there, but he was around when I was there. Um, Dodgeball superstar Tyler Priegel, Coach Havens, um, they, we all had a basement wrestling fed. We lived in a town of about 600 people, so we had a basement wrestling fed. Uh, we did talent shows, so there were town talent shows at the fairs. We would pull the, the mats out from the school gym, and we would stage one match. Um, as part of the talent show um, where two of us played heel, two of us played face. We worked under our legit names, but we just worked a match. Uh, and we won the first year. And at the first year, me and Coach Havens did another gimmick where we stole a bit that we had heard on the Bob and Tom show, which was popular around there or uh, at the time. Hot take, Bob and Tom, never popular. Yeah. No. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> So we had heard on the Bob and Tom show, we stole a bit from that, and that got second place on the same show. The following year... I was wondering when you were going to get to it, because it seems like you're just avoiding it, and I think that maybe there's a reason. We did the match. I couldn't talk uh, Cole into doing anything as a, a secondary thing again, because we got money for that. Right. Uh, so I went up without any sort of pre-planning <laughs> at all, and uh, tried to... Do some stand-up, and if that tape exists, I'm sure Cole has it. It's some of the most god-awful stuff. Was it better than Cliff Clavin? It was probably not. What's up with What's that? What's up with that? It probably wasn't even better than Paula Poundstone. Oh, come on. Oh, my God. I bet you it was less rapey, though. <laughs> not much. There was cat sex. It was about cat sex, primarily. Oh, my. So... Yeah, one guy in the crowd found it very funny. Did you get the hook? Like on the Apollo? Yeah. No, very polite. That's a very polite place. Um, but would the, you have gotten gonged on the gong show? Yeah, most likely. Okay. Yeah, the, absolutely. The only person to not say anything yet at this point, which I find uh, ironic, because he basically rode your coattails through the mo majority of his career. Indeed, I agree. Hot take, uh, I agree. Take it in Vic the Stick Ross right now. Yeah. Yeah. Tell He's, us about Jack Spain. He's great. So yeah, and tell us. Okay, nice. so so the Jiggy Jack Spade 
did, was it a co like so you guys were the two man boy band? Was it Jiggy Jack Spade is all him. Okay, so you came up with the idea. I named him Jiggy Jack Spade. I named him JC. I added the JC to the prodigy. Yeah, of course. But pronounced it protege. And it was it was his uh Jim with Jim's name right. was a direct ripoff of uh In sync. Thank you, because I didn't know if it was that or Backstreet Boys. J.C. Chazé. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay, and I just threw a jiggy on his name. <laughs> I, right. mean, I mean, look at him. Who right. doesn't think and he can dance? It goes beyond that, because we did not have a dance. You said, hey, guys, you need a dance. Yep. And yep. We, we couldn't think of a dance as, as much as we love dancing. You know, we're known for that. Right. Uh, so we had to lean on somebody else to come up with... The dance for the yeah, this, boy band. This isn't about me. It's about Jack Spade and his greatness. Hey guys, why don't you try a little bit of this? And then he <laughs> broke out some Vic the Stick greatness, and we ripped that shit off for years. Yeah, yeah, we did. So, a couple questions. Yeah. In your career, you've had some really good matches. Is there one that stands? Like, if you were, if you had to submit one to some compilation tape somewhere. What match would that be? Yeah, which of your three good matches <laughs> over 14 years I, would you want to send it? I don't like any of my matches. I don't, when I watch them. So the ones I think are really, really good when I have them, and I think we touched on this previously, the ones I think were really, really good when we have them because the crowd is hot or they're really into it, when I go back and watch it on tape, I hate it. Mm-hmm. Uh the ones that are bad, I usually have the opposite, where I go back and watch it on tape and I go, it's not as bad as I remember. Right. Um, I'm proud of, for the most part, I'm proud of the hair versus career match with uh, Maru that, from all the buildup that we did for that. Um, I had some really, really solid matches with, um, with Brian. Yeah. As Chaos. Um, that I, I'm pretty happy with. Um, there were a couple ones for MIAW, uh, my match with, uh, Silas was pretty good considering, uh, you know, he probably did a lot of the heavy lifting there. Let's, let's understand that though. Again, for the people who have issues with the way quote unquote Jack Spade works, not only did he wrestle with Silas, I was at that show, got rave reviews from Silas, Ring of Honors, Silas Young. Anyway, back to... Um, yeah, I mean, here's the, the matches themselves matter less to me as a worker now than the buildup of doing things. And I'm at the point in my career where I don't just want to have matches. I don't want to go to a show and just be stuck in, oh, you're working this guy. Right. Like, it's about putting a story to it. Yes. There's like a meaning that I can give to something. That's where you find the... The enjoyment. I so, think another reason why I loved being part of this with SWE because it seemed like we had autonomy to build certain things and yep. do some certain things. Yep. So let me go back to when you had more athleticism when you were younger in your career. Uh, and I, I, you, there was athletic background there at one point. For, first of all, to put it on record, you are one of the most athletic fat people I've ever met in my life. Not anymore. You were. I was. Yes. Uh, for a husky fella, you certainly husky. were agile. All right, mm-hmm. but anyways, uh, going back to it, when you could buy when those you used to wrestle, series, by the way, <laughs> <and> <laughs> when you used to wrestle in two thousand four, two thousand five, you may not have had 
as much thought into I mean you were green you would just broken into the business up here um, but you put on a lot of really good matches I thought I go back to the match that you and I had in particular that's not on tape anywhere mm-hmm. I thought we put on a, a and it must be good because we can't prove otherwise that's exactly why I brought <laughs> it up uh, I thought we put on a, a clinic. I thought it was a really, really good show and a really good match. And we stole the show from everybody else that night. And while we got we got shit about the way that we finished it, I thought we had a lot of really good wrestling in there and a lot of good humor in there. You were doing your bit with the uh, the mist at that point. Yeah. Uh, you go back and you look at some of your matches that you had with Fate, Dennis. I think Dennis was uh, a. A good opponent for you, you guys, and and you know, some people may not like it, but I thought you guys had some really good matches with each other, and uh, in fact, I think you had a match where you, is it ten pinfalls or some nonsense, and you were First able to first person to ten pinfalls, right? And, uh, you did really really well. There was a show back in SSW that you worked the entire like two and a half hours every match. Yeah. Every match, including the main event battle royal. Right. Where you were in it till the end. Now, shitty booking aside. And I was number one to the last two. Right. right. And shitty booking aside, you managed to pull that off without ODing people on Jack Spade. Yeah, at the t- yeah, but when you're talking about ODing people on Jack Spade, you're talking about ODing four people that showed up to that show to watch it. Yeah, but one so, was that guy that barked. <laughs> So, uh, that guy was awesome. But go on. No, I, I don't know. Like, it's just... There was a point where I was athletic. In high school, I also played football. And I was honorable mention or something for all conference or all whatever that was. Um, so, I can do things. And I came out of a background where I had a... You know, I could do athletic things for my size and I've always been heavier it's just the way I am now so, I thought you would last 25 minutes well wait I got I got a couple qu- other quick hitters for you then yeah, we Big, could, biggest we could. biggest name you've ever had a chance to share the ring with and it can't be Dirty Ernie so I'm going to disqualify him right well now. we already brought up Silas Young so let's take him okay. out of the equation Silas Young we worked yeah, yeah. Uh, we had Perry Saturn Perry yeah. Saturn and yep. Toma uh, there was Al Snow yeah in uh sure. Prairie Duchesne. Prairie Duchesne, yeah. Prairie Duchesne. Uh, Honky Tonk Man, earlier this year, got to work. Handicap Heroes. Handicap Heroes, yeah. uh, yep. Gregory Iron, Zach Gowan. Um, I get. Lots of people want to put me with the names that they bring in because they know I'll work a basic style that they want the person to work. I can work a basic style and I can keep the match simple. And a lot of these names that travel from show to show don't want to do complicated things because it's a very... They, they go... Imagine being a name and traveling from town to town to anybody that books you. Sometimes you know the people, sometimes you don't. Oftentimes you don't. And you're getting to meet all these people. You have no idea what their training is, how much work they've had, how many matches they've had. Um... And I feel like our style, as a group, my style, works very well with them because we can do comedy, we can do basic wrestling, we can, we can work whatever style they wish to work. 
So my last question for you then before we move on, what advice do you have for the green guys, the people that are just breaking into the business right now? I mean, you've been doing this for 13 years, at least uh, up in Milwaukee and, and Wisconsin area up here, you've been doing it for 13 years. What advice do you have for new wrestlers? The advice that I have is, you know, people are going to want to help you and you have to decide to listen to whether or not you think they're actually trying to help you. You have to find your people that you can trust. Um, you have to not take the word. And, and, you know, in the end, you'll probably end up a lot like me where you didn't get to the point where you're super well respected or a lot of people know who you are. But I'm not ashamed of where I am. I'm not, I don't regret what I've done. Um, where I feel like if you go the other route and you do whatever people want you to do, then you're probably going to end up with a career you might not be that proud of. Um, I think it's safe to say that some of those trust things, though, you find, you have no choice but to find out the hard way, right? I mean, you. I think anybody in this business has gone down that road where they're like, this guy's genuine. Uh, maybe not. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but hopefully, you know, it's one of those fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Don't get fooled too many times. Everyone's going to get fooled once, right? And you never know when you're going to offend somebody with a silly thing, like somebody suggesting that you be a pirate because your last name is Spade. Although... You say no, and then they throw a big Although he was, disrespected the entire he was one ligament business. away from actually being able to pull off the peg leg gimmick, so maybe yeah. it, it would have worked. Um, <laughs> the other thing is, I think we'll talk about it on another show, your most storied feud, probably Matt Long time, because that thing went on forever. Yep. And uh, I was still just... happening. If Matt Longtime's out there, I'm coming for you. All right? Um, I got my eye on you. Um, and then, um, my only advice for young wrestlers coming up are baby wipes and dryer sheets. Yes. And wash your fucking gear. Well, that's why, yes. Yeah. And if, if you're going to take a minute to wash it, put some dryer sheets in that yeah. bad boy. Cause some, he... Something I never lacked in my entire career was confidence in myself and what I was doing. So... Be confident in yourself. Bet on yourself. You'll be happier in the long run. Do what you want to do. Uh, figure out who you can trust to listen to that's actually trying to help you and not just trying to fuck with you because they're a veteran and they think they can fuck with you like they were fucked with. Yeah. Tori ACL Jack Spade, everybody. All right. In my hand, I hold the closing topic. Oh. And it's good that we've only got a couple of minutes left because this is definitely a quick hitter. It is a two-part question. Oh, my. Oh, Jesus. The Insane Clown Posse, and does Vic like them? Okay. And that, that'll <laughs> okay. do it for right. week four. All right, I'm going to start with Insane Clown Posse. The shits, okay? Let me tell you, and I know you don't like them. I hope you don't like them. And I'm going to tell you a story I have about the Insane Spoilers, Clown Posse. Bud. Spoilers, Sorry. Listen, I, I hated them before I had the displeasure of working a security gig in which they were the featured act. I had to throw the clothes I was wearing away because I was doused in soda and snot and bodily fluids from these derelict juggalos. Keep them. Keep them. Keep the ICP. Keep them. Keep them. Keep them. And stay the fuck off Scott's lawn. Go ahead, Lane. I like a couple of ICP oh, songs. Yeah. The yeah. Needin Game is a funny song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt Professor. Yeah. That's a funny yeah. song. Yeah. yeah. Uh, However, how was their ring work? <laughs> not so good. However, I will say this, and it's not universal, okay? Most of the people that I've met who happen to like ICP are not people I would associate myself with 
in a way where I'd want to hang out with them. A lot of them smell bad. Yeah. I'll be frankly honest with you. There's yeah. a smell. Hey, man, when you're standing in the grocery store and your choices are laundry detergent or clown makeup, <laughs> you got to make the right call. And I'll tell you what, to piggyback off that point, there are a few juggalos out there that when I find out the juggalos can't believe it because they don't fit the M.O. There's a right. fear I'm like, what? You know. Yeah, but you're the same guy who can't believe it's not butter. So. Hold on. Is well, it I believe it's not butter. Is enjoy ICP without being a juggalo? Have you ever seen me? Not according to them. Reds and not shower Not according to them. I have seen you not shower. I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Calm down, Mr. Torn Knee. <laughs> and TVH. I assume during that time that your nut hairs had dreadlocked up. Oh, right. So. I enjoy the ICP. I enjoyed them for a long time. I've seen them in concert. I thought they were funny as shit when I was younger. Did you I, like Limp Biscuit too? And hold on I a second. Limp I'm gonna, I, uh-huh. I did. There was a point I liked Limp Biscuit. Calm the fuck down. Uh-huh. But ICP, yeah. one one of the uh, one of the longest lasting ribs on anybody was their seven Joker cards and and the way that they pulled that bit off. If anybody actually listens to them. They understand the, the the reference behind that. It was a uh, it was a very long play, uh, and, and it was good. I thought it was funny. They 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 were entertaining. Their concerts were good, and yes, you went home soaked in Fago soda. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it was a good time. And now I don't go and turn on ICP in my car when I get in. But you know, ten years ago, I did enjoy some ICP. Well. Yeah, well, we also know your sketchy background. So, uh, Calm the fuck down, Scott. Before I answer <laughs> the question, I want uh, I want you to know, Scott and gang, that uh, the Insane Clown Posse is actually proof to me that God does not exist. Okay. Because the second time I heard that ICP was going to be at the rave after we had been in that debacle. Yeah. I prayed and I prayed that once all the derelicts were in the building, a meteor would strike into the building, thus killing everyone inside, and it didn't happen, so God is dead. Well, I will say this. If you had to pick one, Shaggy Too Dope or Violent J? Uh, I would have to go with Vampiro! 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 Oh, lordy, lordy. I, you know what? I hate that we have to end on such a morbid topic as ICP, <laughs> but I think we'll leave it there. It's, it's a cliffhanger episode. We'll yeah. call it that. We'll see if we're able to survive this and come back for episode five. If we do, we will match, um, I guess, the only thing that we can draw reference to would be Police Academy because they reached number five, right? Yeah. They got all the way up to seven, didn't they? Uh, six. I thought six. There was six. Seven. They were in Russia. Oh yeah. So Miami was five. Five, was five. five, five yeah. Was Miami. Miami was five. And the guy behind them. They put the fucking suntan lotion on Lieutenant Harris and yeah. said dork. So let me because ask you this. Big yeah. comedy. Yeah. ICP is stupid, but let's <laughs> right. the police right. Did you hear me laugh when I said okay. dork? So let's go back. I laugh. Let me ask you this. Why why Mauser and two, but then gone for the rest I'll of tell them. you why. Because Captain Mauser, yowza, yowza. Jesus Christ, end this shit now. <laughs> and why? I'll ask you this. Why did Proctor, Proctor was with Harris, but he was also with Mauser? Because he was a dirty dog. I'll tell you what. Uh, what was the name of the, the female? Leslie... The the, the uh, Easterbrook. Leslie Easterbrook. Yeah. The buxom blonde. Do you think she was teaching them Krav Maga? 
I don't know, but in the first one, she was getting it on. I think we're out of time. <laughs> I hope so. For Victor Stick Ross, Prodigy, Jack Spade, Hot Shot Scott Williams. Hey, it's the Ross Family Matters podcast. Episode 4 is in the books. Episode 5 coming straight at you in about a week or so. Check us out on Facebook. Take care, everybody. Prodigy.